sing two or three songs and it'll clear my throat so I can talk. Guess I'm gonna have to start singing at home before I get here to get my throat clear. So I'm gonna have to cough a few times. <clears throat> like that. Alright, today we are in the book of Romans once again. And Last time we were here in Romans, we was in chapter 6, we we're back in chapter 6 again. And I think uh, as I pondered on what I talked about, what I preached about last time, I may have left you in a little bit of a, a question. I'll just say a question. And that question is um, that... And I think it arises because of a backwards look on my part. So I think you already know what I know or think what I think. You're in my brain and you're not. So I'm trying to go back and just help you to realize that when I preached last time, I probably left you with the question or the statement or the whatever you want to call it in your mind that all you had to do is sit there in your chair and God would just save you and there was nothing for you to do on your own part. But there is much for you to do for your part. But it's not a work. If that makes sense. And that backwards look of salvation, what I was talking about is when a person hears the call of God On the front of that door it says enter here for salvation we think that's we have it in our mind that we're doing all the work of getting there but when we walk through that door of salvation and we look at that door on the back side we see it says called from before the foundation of the world so, and it's from that perspective that I often preach, and I forget to remind you that you have a responsibility too. Even though that it is God that has done all the work, you still have a responsibility. And what I'm talking about is that God is 100% sovereign in salvation. But we are, man is responsible for his own sin. The man is responsible to come. Man is responsible to believe. Man is responsible to have faith. You know, I said that three different ways and it's all the same thing. It's our faith, it's our belief. It's our turning. It's our coming. And as we come, we see more and more that it was all God. Because once we walk through that door of salvation and we look back and we see saved before the foundation of the world, we understand that it was all God's. And, we, and to help us to understand that clearly we just asked ourselves the question 
Why did I come? What caused me to come? Why didn't my brother who lives and was raised the same as I was, why didn't he come? Or my neighbor. You know, I talk to him all the time about Christ. Why doesn't he understand? Why doesn't he come? And when you come, you understand that part. Then you'll understand your part. You know, it's all of God, but we still have to believe. And as I was preparing, I said, I, I wanted to get much farther into this than I'm going to be able to, to help you understand that a little bit, and that'll be next time I preach, just so you know. But today we are going to get caught up with myself here. Today we are going to be looking at, we're going to continue looking at regeneration. You know, if you remember last time I said that there's a lot of things that happen at salvation that just happen and we just take it for granted that they happen, but when you think about all the things that happen at salvation, it's just a multitude of things that change. And one of them is when we believe we were justified. That happened. And it was because of our faith that we were justified. It was through our faith. Now sometimes I don't use the right words to describe our faith. And I might say it as if it, our faith is something, and it's not. Because faith... Faith is, some, is nothing because it's towards the object. It's the object of your faith that makes the difference. You know, when, we, when you drove out here this morning, you exhibit a lot of faith in things that you just took for granted. If you come from town, you drove over the overpass over there, and you probably didn't have a second thought about that thing holding your truck or car when you drove across. Or you sat in your chair and you probably didn't think twice about it holding you when you sat down in it. Have you ever sat in one of those plastic chairs and you sit in it on the chair, leg just goes, <laughs> shoots across the room and you next thing you know it's you're laying on the your backside. Well, you had faith in that chair and it failed you. Now, if you're a football fan, you might have a favorite team and you have your you put your faith in that team to win. And when they don't win, it kind of shames you a little bit. And if you go to work and you work with a lot of competitive people, they're going to emphasize, they're going to magnify that shame on you that your team didn't win. So you understand what I'm trying to say is that it's the object. I think that North Carolina kind of falls in that same category, don't they? <laughs> I don't. I don't really take watch football, but I just hear people talk about it, and 
I see my brothers over there smiling about it. So I had to throw that in there. So, But anyway, you get the, get the idea about our faith. It's the object of our faith that makes the difference. And our faith in salvation is in the one who can. It's in the one who can save us. He's the one that can save us all the way to glory, not just part way. All right, let's read the passage. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. I'll begin reading. Let me pray. I just remembered I should pray. If I don't do it now, I'll forget again. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you today. Father, we thank you that you do give us a day to rest and to focus on you and to spend our time thinking about your great and glorious grace. And Father, we just thank you and praise you for that. We thank you and we worship you and we honor you for your great love for us and that you would save us. That you would save sinners and that you save sinners freely and abundantly. Father, we thank you. We don't understand it, but we thank you for it. And Father, we ask now that you'd help us. Help us as we look to your word to try to understand it. Father, help what we learned today to be a comfort to us and a, a reinforcement and an empowerment to us that you've saved us, you saved sinners. And Father, we just thank you and we praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So will God surprise admissions and regeneration? Is that not a surprising thought to think about that God regenerates sinners? Will God surprise in, men in missions? Regeneration. Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many as of us as were baptized in Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ we are raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we, also, we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ shall, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more death hath no more dominion 
over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your, your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of the righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under, the, under grace. You know, last week uh, I got a running start at this passage, and I'm getting another running start this morning. I don't know if you've ever uh, done something where you you were running and you needed to have a running start to get there. Sometimes um, when you are racing someone, you'll give them a head start, a running start, because you know you're just going to fly past them. I can't help but remember the time I went over to the Phillips house. I forget why I was there, but as soon as I got there, Wyatt said, And of course he just went way past me, but we still had a race. I needed a run and start, Wyatt. I don't know if you remember, but I did. So we're getting another running start at this passage. Regeneration and sanctification, verse 2. Um, our call to worship was in Ezekiel chapter 37. It's part of Scripture where God says in that part of Scripture in Ezekiel, in that passage, it starts back in 33, 34, and God says, I will do this, and I will do this, and I will do this, so that the nations will know that I am God. And when you get into that sh those chapters, um, go ahead and turn over to chapter um, 37. Ezekiel. Um, God says he'll do these things. And one of them in verse chapter 34, he says, I will replace the shepherds. Israel, and he's talking to Israel about all this. And he talks about uh, the land. He's going to restore the land that is going to bring forth fruit. He said, people walk through the land today and that day and they look and they see just desert and they say, how in the world is, there's not even any seeds out here. I mean, how, how the world God going to do anything with his people here? And he talks about, I'm going to restore the land that he promised Israel. And he said he's going to replace the shepherds. And this is an admonition that Doug and Eric and I often read this passage to remind us that we're shepherds. And as shepherds, we're to feed the sheep. We're not to eat the sheep, we're to feed them. And it just reminds us our position. And he goes on, he says, I'm going to replace the shepherds. 
And it says, I want you to note, and I want you to notice that God brings Ezekiel to a valley with some dry bones. And if, if Jerry Clower was here, he would say they were graveyard dead bones. They were dried out bones. I don't know if you've ever been where cattle are, and sometimes you'll come across some bones out there and you see that they're just dried out. They've been there for a long time. There's no life in those bones at all. They're not green bones. They're dried out bones. And I want you to understand what he's talking about here. I want you to know that he's talking to Israel and about Israel. But it's a marvelous example of the regenerative work that God does to someone when they come to salvation. You understand that of dry bones. You're just dead men's bones. And the tombs are filled with dead men's bones. And you understand that when we come to Christ. Just picture in your mind for a moment what God told, told uh, Ezekiel to do. He said, go preach, go prophesy to those bones. Go preach to those bones. He's walking around in this valley preach to dry bones. What power do you think Ezekiel's preaching was to those dry bones? None. Just Ezekiel's preaching alone to dry bones was just preaching that saves you. But preaching is necessary. But it's the hearing of God's Word. That's what God told Ezekiel to preach. He said, preach to the bride and hear the Word of the Lord. how it is when we come to Christ. We are those dry bones because we're spiritually dead. We're separated from God because of our sin. Our sin dries out our bones. And it's the regenerative work that begins when we hear of the Lord. And as we are regenerated, 
come. That's what Ezekiel was talking about when uh, he said to Israel in those chapters that I'm going to take your old heart out of you and put a new one in. And you're going to, I'm going to write on that heart my commandments. And it's going to be a heart of flesh and it's going to hear me and it's going to obey me. You understand he's changing their nature. When we come to Christ, we're just dry dead bones. But we hear the word of the Lord. And when we hear those words, it begins to make sense to us and say, you know what, that sounds right. And God begins to do that work of calling us when we come. And we begin to seek out those things of God and it brings us closer. The closer we come, the more we understand. And it's the, in the coming in our faith that we begin to understand what it is that Christ done for us. It moves from being just foolish talk to us to changing our heart. Therefore, before we come to Christ and we heard about this man dying on the cross for our sins, Just foolishness. What are, you, what are you talking about? Some people look at it and say, that's just God sacrificing his son for other people. That don't make sense. That sounds wrong to me. But to those who God's called, it's the words of life. Is the words of life. Now we who are Christians, it's our sin. It's our sin nature. They are the dry bones. That's sin nature. Look at verse 2 again. It says, God forbid, how shall we live that are dead to sin? Live any longer therein. The problem that we have is that we want to revive those dead bones that are in us. We want to bring that those dead bones back to life. still have those dead bones in us. Remember last time when I talked about the cow that eats grass all the time and he has no desire to eat meat at all? That's because it's his nature. We talked about slaves who were free when that amendment of the Constitution was put into effect. All those slaves, when they were free, every fiber in them thought they were still slaves. And that's the problem we have. 
every fiber in us wants to continue in sin. It's, they're in there. And at times we're tempted and we want to bring those bones back to life. We want to breathe breath back into those bones. And it's pretty easy for us to do because it's our nature to do it. But in this verse it tells us we've died to those things. The Christian has died to those things. And we, when we revive those sins, the Holy Spirit does not let us abide there peacefully. The Holy Spirit doesn't let us live with that sin. You know, if you doubt that you're a Christian, but when you sin, you have that thing in you that says, you know what, well, you've got to make that right somehow. You've got to make it right. That's an evidence that you were saved. That's an evidence that Christ gave you a new heart. Because before you got that new heart, you could care less about those people you sinned against. We die to those things. The Spirit doesn't let us peacefully continue in that sin. You know, uh, in Isaiah 53, it talks about the chastisement of our peace was on Christ. And when we sin, we openly sin, it's chastisement of our peace. How shall we live any longer in sin? How shall we live that way? can if you're a Christian. And if you re really revive some of those old bones, you might even come to the say, you know what, I haven't sinned. Turn over First John. We'll be there for a few minutes. First John chapter 1, verse 8. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So even as Christians, in fact, John's writing to Christians here. There's sin in us. If we say there's no sin in us, we're either not looking hard enough, we're just fooling ourselves which we like to do often that's what Jeremiah said the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it the heart is wicked there's sin in there that old nature it's there Look down in chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My little children, these things write I unto you, 
that you sin not. So you understand what John is saying, the same thing that Paul is saying. That we're not to continue in sin. We're not to live any longer in sin. And John says, but if any man does sin, if any Christian does sin, what's he say? He says, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous the same one the same person that brought us justification it's the same one that sanctifies us the same one that helps us not to live any longer in our sin have an advocate. Advocate is like a lawyer who pleads our cause. Can you imagine any better lawyer than one that's perfect? One that's holy? To plead your case. Father, I died for that one. And that's where now we think about that when our conscience is taking our peace away and we remember that Christ died for our sin it's that song we often sing it's our sin that held him there Back up to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Glory, hallelujah! We can go and be washed again. When we sin, when we don't want to sin, but it goes anyway and we sin. We can come to Christ. We confess it. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. We have the sinful nature in us, but we must, we must, we must do battle with that sin. We must kill that sin. Someone once said that you must be killing sin in your life or sin will be killing you. We may want to say that my sin is too hard for me. Have you ever said that? You, you wanted to use that as an excuse? You know, that thing is just too hard. I can't get over it. I can't get past it. Well, turn over and let's see what Paul says about that. Turn over in your Bible to 
1 Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13 says, says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but as such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but, with, but will... the toughest sins forced to overcome there is. These three. He could have picked any sins, but he picked these three. Because they truly are the toughest ones forced to overcome. And they're tough. There's probably many reasons why they're tough, but one of those reasons is that we can hide them. They're in our mind. And Pastor Eric can come to me and say, Brother, what are you doing? What's going on in your life? And I can have one or all these sins going on in my life. And I'm, I can look him square in the eye and say, I'm good. I can hide him. Sometimes we do. That's, that's why we need account, accountability with each other. To trust each other enough. Talk about those temptations that are in our heart, in our life. And these three are the toughest ones right here. The first one is idolatry. Idolatry is really easy to hide in our hearts. Because a lot of the things that, that can be become idols to us, there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. For example, um, some of these idols can have an apple on them a bite out of it. You know that apple I'm talking about? That can be an idol. Or it can be like another one that I have in my yard. It's got a boat motor on the back of it. It can be an idol. On my back porch, I have some items hanging there. It's got fishing line connected to them. 
can be idols. So I think you get the idea of what idols could be and those idols that we can hide in our heart. And the second one, oh, another idol that could be in our heart is drugs. Now I've heard uh, people that addicted to the, some of these drugs nowadays and they said the first time they took a breath of that stuff that's all they ever wanted for the rest of their life their whole being wanted it if that's not an idol I don't know what it is the second one is fornication and fornication is a blanket sin and it's easy for us to hide that in our mind and often it's a blanket sin because many things that are related to it have are connected to sexual sins like adultery or homosexuality or pornography. And actually, pornography is probably one of the worst things there is. Because our world wants to expose our children to pornography at a young age. And once I get that vision in their mind, it, uh, it's one of those things that you have to do battle with it every time. You can't say, I can just do a little bit of it and continue on. And the, back, the thing about pornography is this. Once you've been exposed to it, Then a simple thing like going to Walmart becomes sinful. I don't go to Walmart much anymore. But when I used to go regularly and I wanted to go to the sporting goods section, I came in the door and I went right and I turned left to go up that aisle, that main aisle going to the sporting goods station and all the, they had all the fishing poles and bicycles and all that stuff on the right. And they had other stuff on the left. And that's by design actually. Because men, for some reason, they often go left first. I don't know if you knew that, but when you walk into where they have a public bathroom, sometimes they'll put it where you have to go left for the men to go in there. I don't know why. Or when you go in there, you still have to turn left to get to, you know, do, do your stuff. So Walmart, back in that day when they had it set up that way, on the left side, they had women's undergarments hanging right there on the aisle. 
earth do men need to know what a women's undergarment look like? It's because the evil one wants men to falter and fail. Because of that pornography they were exposed to when they were young. It's everywhere. Have to kill it. And when you take that first idol, you know, that one with the apple on it, and I think it's popular among young people, they call it sexting. Just make their own pornography and send it to each other. Sin. Have to kill it. Then the third thing he mentions there, that third sin is murmuring. Murmuring. Murmuring is dissatisfaction with life. And we try to substitute our expectations for what God has said or promised. That's murmuring. You know, when, it, when things don't go our way, or we think that God, we're going through too many trials, even though God says, you Christians, you're going to suffer persecution, you're going to suffer. Sometimes we want to murmur, we want to gripe about those sufferings that God lets us go through. It's a sin. Don't substitute your expectations for what God has promised or said. All of these are tough to deal with because we can conceal them easily and really enjoy exercising them or bringing them back to life. But as, enjoy, as enjoyable as those things are, we must confess them as sin. Knowing that we've died to those once, just know that God has given us what we need for life and godliness. We can overcome all of those sins. Will be easy? No. Will be hard. Things have got to get tough. If you're a boxer or MMA fighter, you got to get tough before you step in that ring. If you're a soldier, you got to get tough before you step out on that battlefield. we got to get tough as Christians do battle with those sins. And we're going to close in Philippians. Turn over to Philippians. Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now we see that verse
can do all things through Christ, talking about running a race or winning a football game or whatever. But that ain't what it's talking about. That's help. That's the help we need to overcome those sins that we're to live no longer live in them. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to get to the next part. So let's stand and pray. I want you to understand, I know this was serious, hard to hear, but I want you to rejoice and understand that we don't have to face those sins alone. We have the strength of Christ. We have our brothers and sisters that can help us. Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you for your word. And we thank you that you've given us the ability, you've given us the strength, you've given us what we need for life and godliness. We don't have to live in sin any longer. Because in Christ we've died to those things. We've died to them. Father, we just thank you and we praise you and we honor you for that. Father, we ask that you just help us. Take your word that we read today and put it deep in our hearts. Help us to rejoice that we have strength that we don't know about. We have grace. It's more than enough. Father, we just thank you and we praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So please remain standing for us.